Hello and welcome back to First Principles, the fortnightly leadership podcast from the Ken. This is episode 16. I am Rohan Dharmakumar, your host, and today we're speaking with Kunal Shah, the founder and CEO of Cred, a community with over 11 million users, last valued at over 6 billion dollars. Having been thrust into working to support his family while he was still a teenager, Kunal ended up being coached through the school of hard knocks combined with an unintentional education in philosophy. The result is a curious mix of abilities, knowledge, ambitions and perspective. Chip on the shoulder mixed with the urge to pay it forward. The ability to put himself in another person's shoes while also being brutally blunt with his feedback. left brain execution and right brain exploration this has allowed kunal to create a fairly shape shifting business model with cred when i asked him to define cred he described it in terms of its users not features he sees cred as a community to which features and monetization methods can be tagged on or off over time all this and more in yet another masterclass on building and scaling innovative businesses in one of the world's most lucrative but also competitive markets india let's start Kunal, you have a lot of theories on what motivates people, what drives them, what their ambitions are, what their needs and wants are, etc. Right? Um, in fact, just right now we were also briefly discussing some of that. My question to you is that what drives Kunal? Um, you know, it's a tough question, and I have been asking this question all the time because uh, when I started my journey. Uh, as an entrepreneur money was the driver because i did not have it right and you always felt uh uh that that's one thing you need to have and that's what will change your life and uh when i got the money it did not really matter so the question was that what really was driving me and i think uh, over a period of time you realize that uh, there are other things that really motivate you so what i have figured out is i love seeing people grow uh uh transformation that they go through in achieving their full potential so i love uh working with people through different startups i love uh investing in founders and see their transformation and journeys uh and just seeing that impact that what were they 5 years ago what are they now in 5 years and company just happens to happen as a background impact to this right uh and i have concluded that that's what drives me uh seeing that change being able to be a participant or a catalyst sometimes to see people transform and it's 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 funny but it can never end because there is always going to be a new level a new person a new challenge uh and it kind of gives you a very long purpose uh i i believe that as a country we will not prosper till we create more uh talent more risk taking behavior more entrepreneurs Uh, and we'll have all the all sorts of characters in the middle 
before we get to become a transformed nation. But I think seeing this journey from the front row is the biggest motivation. Well, how does this manifest at cred? Um, and as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, what drives you? As an entrepreneur, what drives me is doing things that most people think will not work out. I think that's what most good entrepreneurs are built of. Uh, uh, their fuel is uh, all sorts of mockery, all sorts of disbelief that, oh, this won't work out, that won't work out. Uh, this guy has no clue. And it's amazing, right? Because I get worried when that stops. I'm like, oh shit, like now we don't, nobody believes that we have things to do. Uh, and it, it's a, it's a negative motive. It's a negative fuel, but it works out well. Like it proving and doing things contrary to what the world is doing. Right. Uh, when we started the journey at cred, we said, we're going to focus on this and people are like, Oh, such a small market. Why would you focus on that? And, and, uh, then eventually people have figured out, Oh, it actually works out fine. India is exactly like that. So. To me, doing that drives me. But at Cred, what drives me is the, the journey of people, right? Uh, we've been very fortunate, both between Free Charge and Cred, seeing transformation of leaders. Uh, we've never really had a problem of attrition in any of the companies that I have been fortunate to be part of. Uh, because it's just, uh, by the way, it's, it's painful also for a lot of people because transformation is painful. Uh, you have to know yourself first then change yourself and then excel. That journey is painful for most people. So I think if you ask anybody, add cred what the journey has been, they will say uh, exciting, but painful. Painful because uh, expectations is put on themselves versus somebody, I'm not a micromanaging guy. I'm like, do your best. Uh, but there is, a, everybody has an eye of what is best. But we'll, we'll come back to there's a section where I do want to talk to you about the org structure, sure. how you build leaders, etc. Sure. But for now, I'd like to go and learn a bit more about cred sure. once again. Sure. If I were to ask you to explain what cred is mm -hmm. in a couple of lines in a way that my 13 year old could understand, mm -hmm. what what would you describe it as? Uh, cred is a, a group of selected individuals who are curated based on their trustworthiness, creditworthiness. And our intent is to create a frictionless world for them because they are trustworthy. So imagine if we build a city where most people were selected based on their trustworthiness, would the city be built differently? Would we have different rules on how commerce works or networking works or or payments work and and if you can create that that's what cred is trying to do it's very interesting your definition of what cred is is in a sense a definition of what who cred users are or what the cred community is yes cred is a place uh it's not a verb it's not a uh uh, a thing to do. Uh, it's not an app, but we are, what we are doing is trying to create a sort of a club or a, uh, a place where these people are there together and can they therefore benefit by the virtue of being there. But Rohan, if you think about it, many countries that have become developed are exactly that, right? Uh, developed nations are all about creating high trustworthiness, 
high creditworthiness and therefore a lot of things just become better right uh, and and our view is that you cannot change the country in one broad stroke you have to do it one cohort at a time so if you can make one cohort benefit so let's take an example uh what if uh actually this is a real example uh, we saw an ad once in uh, koramangla of a apartment on rent and the guy wrote uh, 5000 rupees discount for cred members so we reached out as like why would you do that and they are like oh we know that is all credit worthy customers i don't need to do screening what if uh, uh, if i got them i don't need to worry about uh, deposits or any of that stuff and my view is that what if that starts happening at scale today how do we handle mistrust rohan you want to take an apartment give me 8 months deposits 7 months deposits in the us there is no deposit culture because nobody has that kind of money lying around to deposit and keep it and not that the landlord is investing in some high return scheme he keeps it in the bank account so the question is that why do we have a lot of these things that we have done because you reduced? assume some yeah. some yeah. unknown event in the future therefore you kind of just prepare yourself for yeah. it even though you may inherit and i'm saying that our methods of creating trust are outdated if you want to become a developed nation we have to adopt how trust works in nations that are have developed or are in a very advanced stage of development correct we we'll probably come back to the comparison that you made between cred as a community and between developed nations uh but for now how does cred make money yeah so uh, once you bring a lot of trustworthy and creditworthy individuals to one place uh there are many constituents who are trying to uh cross sell to them because these are also harder to target customers right so there are two large buckets one is brand slash merchants who want to cross sell to these customers they either want to uh uh offer a reward to create a trial so for example let's say you're launching an ott platform and you want to give 2 months free to this or a ken subscription give a trial to this customer and the possibility of this customer retaining or continuing to pay is very very high because it's self selected in some ways right now there's another constituent which is bfsi which is all the entities that are currently trying to uh, cross sell to these customers and again for them uh uh credit worthiness trust worthiness is an important criteria so anything to do with cross selling an insurance cross selling uh, a financial product of any nature is going to be the way we make money we have started so you doing, take a commission out of yeah like, we do a commission so we make commission from anybody who's trying to cross sell on this platform that's a platform fees that we take from them correct and so, uh, sorry yeah. sorry to interrupt but if i were to kind of visualize this what you're essentially doing is your bringing together a large set of individuals i mean per my research i think it's about over 11 million yes. in the cred right and and you could visualize them as part of a large room yes which is walled off on all sides yes. and anyone who wants to kind of interact with the people in that room or the people between themselves you will take some kind of like a commission or cut out of that that's essentially correct the cred business uh, it's model. easier to understand if you think it like a place imagine we are in indranagar right now indranagar is that place there is a certain amount of trust for the net credit worthiness that let's say this place had uh, and now putting up a store over here you pay some version of rent slash commission or share of revenue in some ways right so the thing is that you can create different models and different brands will want to be here now 
one brand will come and say, I want to open up a branch of a bank over here. One will say, I want to open up a restaurant over here. I will want to open up a clothes store over here. And that's what we facilitate. Got it. One of the most popular analogies, if it exists, to describe cred would be what? I'm sure you've heard uh, people trying to describe cred in many ways. Cred is X, cred is Y. A cred is a gated community within a city. That's the best way to think about it. Uh, uh, Got it. It's sort of self-selected in some ways. All right. I want to ask you a bunch of quick questions about sure. cred. Some statistics. How old is the company? Uh, we'll be five in November. How many employees does it have? Uh, a little over 800, 900 right now. What's its revenue? Uh, we have mentioned our last uh, year's revenue numbers. That's in public. Uh, uh, and I don't want to misquote that number. So I'm going All to right. skip. No problem. How fast are you growing? Not fast enough. Uh, it, but our, our, uh, That's an answer all entrepreneurs <laughs> will always give. Uh, I think, uh, are we happy with our progress? The answer is yes. Uh, 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 we, we started on a journey that was unusual, uh, where we said we are going to focus on a cohort of customers and the business will sort of emerge as we do more things. And when we chose to not monetize for the first two and a half years of our journey, uh, consciously, a lot of people uh, uh, wonder that why would company uh, uh, lose money uh, building an audience? Because in India, we have an interesting observation that we think uh, businesses are like trading. Uh, and that is true for most of us because even for my family, uh, my, my dad thinks kitne mein mal kharida, kitne mein becha. and jo paisa bacha, that's business, right? But platforms are not really understood. Uh, where you say, I'm going to build the place first and audience first, and then I will cross sell and monetize. It is absurd for most people. And therefore, uh, we'll see stats like, oh, the company's still losing hundreds of crores of rupees. But are they choosing to? Are they not able to monetize? Are they not monetizing on Fair, I think So I think it's an interesting yeah. thing. So uh, in terms of growth, uh, uh, this is the customer. Uh, so if you look at the data, uh, India has... $2,000 approximately per capita income. And if you take the top 25, 30 million customers, it would be uh, around maybe $15,000 uh, to $20,000 range average for these customers. All the discretionary spends are done by these customers. So the question I always ask is that if India has X amount of consumption and there is discretionary and non-discretionary, uh, uh, non which means food and other things. But if you look at 80% of all non-discretionary spends is done by these 30, 35 million customers, which is where the margins are. So to me, uh, if you have these customers, uh, cross-selling product, cross-selling a financial product, cross-selling a service are all easy things, as long as you know how to build a good product. What was your last valuation or current, what's your current valuation? Uh, I think we raised the last round from GIC that was public and it was north of $6 billion valuation. But Rohan, uh, valuations are uh, complete 
stories uh, uh, i would i don't believe in it uh, at cred or at free charge we've never ever celebrated any fundraise uh, and we'll never do because uh, you know it's like a it's like a athlete who's trying to climb mount everest and on the way they find some food and we are ho- hosting a party for finding food no we should celebrate when they get to the mount everest fair how much venture capital have you raised till date approximately uh north of 600 million dollars why were you able to arrive at this market ahead of others uh because the context being that's a that great the, the point that you make about uh the top of the pyramid like my colleague has written an article about it calling that india's california users and and in the last i think maybe year or so it has become very apparent but you were doing this like like you said you're about you you're going to be five yeah why were you able to arrive at this ahead of others uh so it's very hard to answer this but at least what i've seen is most founders do not look at macroeconomic data uh they are looking at but vcs love that right like you know they want to see uh, not really not really i think vcs are also evolving now hmm. uh see the thing is uh, what was the earliest way venture capital or venture capital funded companies were born copy something from the west okay west has a very evolved customer base uh just to give you a sense the total credit card outstanding in india of dues to be paid is close to maybe 10 14 billion dollars the total credit card outstanding in the us is 1.3 trillion dollars so the thing is that at a scale so when you have when you even you like somebody was telling me that you know even a market to do grass cutting grass cutting market is three times india's healthcare market and and yeah. that's where you can do a very small business over there and still generate a billion dollars of revenue fair point because of the market depth in india market depth doesn't exist so a lot of times founders tend to look at what to copy and what is getting funded somewhere else and india when is going through a journey to build its original ideas I mean there is is there an equivalent of cred in the world I don't know I would love to find and copy from them but there is nothing unfortunately and therefore you have to build everything from first principles but uh China is now going through a complete original companies but their first batch came from copycats right but copycats don't make sense like I have always made this joke that there was a time where at least 12 companies were funded to do laundry because five to 10 companies became big in the US doing laundry so the yeah. question is that but india may we never needed a laundry startup to be honest so i think uh, why we don't do that i i don't know i i meet so many founders even now and i'm like this customer cannot pay like why are you trying to build and sorry and... Uh, to to go back to the question which is does it therefore not make sense for you to have you chose a counterintuitive small top of pyramid market why it looks like a small market i'm saying if i told you 80% of discretionary spend is done by this market only then is it a small market i'm saying the rest of the country is struggling to even make money to eat but roughly 5 years ago you would have assumed that that pyramid is going to get flattened that market is going to go but it, it can't w- get flattened hmm. because again macroeconomic data 
the pyramid gets flattened when dual income households start creating more jobs in india urban female participation of labor is dropped to under 10% and it's falling and it's declining which means a family is not creating 10 more jobs right uh, which is what happens in a dual income household and therefore our ability to flatten that is not really happening it's just kind of getting more and more concentrated uh today uh 90 90% or 92% plus of all financial products are all men right uh, if you look at investment data also i was talking to nitin from zeroda and he's like 90 95% men and if you call the 5% women uh for user data and user understanding they all men who's done from females accounts so the question is that we we are uh yet to become that society uh today we we don't realize that we are probably in the bottom 10 of female participation of labor in the world right uh, a bangladesh is 68% female participation of labor in urban uh, pakistan is higher sri lanka is higher sorry i mean i know you have you'll definitely have a point of view on this why do you think that is so cultural i think we've not but why are we regressing i mean on all aspects on a lot of things we've been progressing perhaps at our own elephantine pace but it is progress but now it seems like there is some amount of regression in urban india with respect to um female workforce participation i i wish i knew ron i i i keep wondering but have we made it easy for them to work uh, have we made infrastructure for them to be able to work have we shared responsibilities as men uh, to make their life easier do we still operate on this cultural notion of oh this is division of labor is you take care of all the household stuff and kids and my job is to go out and earn like we've not evolved culturally and honestly we need role models right uh, we need more role modeling and say okay this is what's going to happen uh, and uh, we we've done this thing okay let's get women educated women are doing better on all academic counts if you look at uh, top rankers in school colleges like you will see women are doing well but if you look at immediately after college how many of them continued in the workforce how many of them continue in the workforce after getting married after having first child second child and it's that's like, true and it, it just and it's i think we've written a, about it there are multiple penalties that are applied to women yeah, along the way and and there are some uh, unfortunate second order effects starts happening is i was talking to a bpo founder in in bombay and uh, there was a time where 80 85% of the employees were women and now that person has seen that the transformation is that it's become largely male in bpo uh, our journey to trend trillion dollar economy with just one gender working is going to be a hard one because unless the per capita income grows consumption does not multiply and therefore expecting that uh, gdp growth rate will require a lot of these interventions to kind of make this happen uh, china before it got to the prosperity curve had around 94% of female participation of labor in urban china uh, uh, and we are sub 10% so there's going to be a big factor and most international uh, investors uh, don't know this about india uh but i often tell them have you been to an airport how many people are uh, uh, how many queues for women if you go to a metro how many compartments for women and first of all why do we have separate compartments for women uh, and and there are a lot of these issues that we tend to uh, not appreciate and it will take some time cultural changes take much longer right how old are you i'm 
Do you have a co-founder at Cred? I don't. Tell me a bit about your growing up. I've I've read a lot um, that's influenced you a lot, and and your entry into entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, not not the f- uh, nothing fun about uh, growing up. Uh, uh, when I was uh, fairly young, uh, my uh, dad. Uh, who was in a very large, uh, let's say, seven brothers joint family, decided to do his own startup in pharma distribution. Did not work out well. So when I was, I would say, thirteen, fourteen, uh, uh, not that we were affluent even before that, but even that was a big one where we just lost everything that we had, and and we uh, 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 had to sell everything that we had, whatever, and and move to a actually. pretty much the size of this room uh 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 we four of us uh, my brother mom and dad had to move and and i had to start uh working uh from the age 15 or so my first job was a part time delivery boy part time data entry operator uh uh and i used to support the family through that uh and uh what also started happening is uh i had to uh uh give up on a lot of ambition on education or whatever so i i i chose to do philosophy as my major largely because uh, uh it was the only batch available from 7 to 9 am uh, so i can do a full time job after that uh and uh so it was an accidental journey from a science student uh becoming a philosophy major uh but uh, to me uh, i had to do everything to make money i think to support the family and and really get to learn life the hard way was there and 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 i still uh, uh i was just telling somebody about a story so no i still have a scooter that i move around with i i used to have a a scooter that i should do delivery with and uh, i i remember once uh, going to a petrol pump and uh, i had literally 5 rupees and that time the fuel used to be like 26 27 rupees uh and i told the uh, guys like ke 500 rupees kar lo main servicing me de raha hu like although i had just money of 5 rupees to do a delivery and i was going to get money over there and i remember that guy knew that i was lying i had no money more than 5 rupees to pay for it and i i know for a fact that uh, he put more than 5 rupees fuel for sure and and there is uh, and there is no way i can thank him in life and i think a lot of times we forget that all these successful people and successful entrepreneurs thousands of people have made this small contribution to really make them successful and and the only way i see it is paying forward right i can't go and find these individuals anymore in life to kind of say thank you to them i think to me uh, it's surprising that when you are willing to make transformation in your life and you want to fight your circumstances you find many many things just supporting you um there's a lot that becoming financially independent at a very young age would have taught you mm-hmm. um and influenced your world view my question is actually the opposite with the benefit of hindsight do you think you lost anything by becoming financially by being forced to become financially independent at such an early age uh i think you lose uh uh what youth stands for right uh having fun 
doing interesting things traveling all of that uh did I, you ever try to you know counteract for that once you actually could it couldn't couldn't be done rohan i i tried the time passes it's just time passes and you become a certain person right uh, I, i was making a joke uh, my parents have been to more countries than i have been to uh because every time i was feeling guilty of not being able to travel i would send them for a trip <laughs> and the thing is that a, a, a lot of times we do not appreciate the fact that uh uh, uh we've paid this price uh, uh but it's it's fine i think to me uh the joy of creating keeps me very very happy uh now uh do i think about it for example uh, uh, a niece uh, in the family is currently backpacking and i'm just amazed at the experiences that she is having by traveling to different places and meeting different people and uh, deciding a last minute plan and doing this and i'm like like i feel that wish i had that experience that early on to expose but i think all of us are choices we've made in life what is your grand theory of human needs wants and desires it's no different than what is biologically known for all mammals i think uh, it's the same uh, but i think we all get to different levels through different parts of our journey uh, sometimes uh, circumstances forces you to go uh, faster up there sometimes circumstances force you to come down quickly as well uh, but i think uh, i uh, in, in india i, I believe that uh, the the western maslow does not apply as well in india we just want appreciation of everybody else and 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 status is a big thing that drives us uh i don't think we are society that truly gets into self actualization varna podcast would have millions of listeners now <laughs> fair so you you've made this point earlier as well that in india we care more india and asian countries we care more for what other people think of us rather than whether we are satisfied ourselves mm-hmm. do you see this like you know i mean how do you like what are some of the examples where you see this uh, reflect in our regular life um, which don't possibly exist in the same way in let's say a western country yeah it's a great question uh i i i remember this particular incident where i had gone to uh portugal and 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 i noticed that uh uh at this big big churches normally uh the cemeteries were outside the church and and uh, uh the tombs were kept outside but there were some tombs inside the church and it's unusual you never see a tomb inside a church so i asked the, the guide over there that why are these things over here and he made an interesting observation there, there are two types of tombs over here royalty and explorers so guys like vasco da gama and others who were venturing out and taking risk were celebrated in the country by getting their tombs inside the church along with the royalty but do we celebrate risk takers or we are mostly a culture which is mocking them because we do not like their gut on what they are doing so i think we are going through go through that journey right even if you look at uh, and i have not seen uh, shark tank uh, uh, i have only heard about it from other people it's still getting the culture and the vocabulary inside the families who are watching that content but it's still mockery driven on risk taking people because as a culture right we have not been risk taking we are not 
oh, I'm going to go adventure sport. I'm going to go and explore. Like we, we were as a society, a lot more conservative about taking risk. And I think therefore we are still to go through that journey as a society to really applaud risk. Think about this. Every single entrepreneur's documentary web series of movie in the US is made. In India, we've made story of almost every scamster or gangster and maybe four of them of each gangster. The point is that do we really want to know? Right? Uh, I'll give you one story. When, uh, there is a gentleman called Prem Chand Raichan. I don't know if you've ever heard about him. Prem Chand Raichan uh, was once the richest man of India. Uh, and not many years ago, maybe 150 years or, or just a little over that. Uh, this person uh, started a business under a banyan tree opposite Asiatic Library in Bombay and selling insurance to ships that were taking cotton to UK. And eventually transformed that business and created that we something we, got, we know as Bombay Stock Exchange. He's the founder of Bombay Stock Exchange. And till date, he owns the Guinness Book of World Record for doing the largest trade as a, a broker uh, uh, till date in the world and and uh, built Rajabai Tower, that big tower that we see in Bombay for his mother Rajabai who could not see to hear time. Like that was the flex of this person. Now, there are at least thousands such stories I think you mentioned this story on the Shane Parish podcast. Yes, if I have. And I'm just saying yeah, that... No, no, I, I remember now. Suddenly. And the thing is that we've... There are so many such stories, right? No, I get this, Kunal. But, you know, I think there's a slight inversion. You're now talking about as a society, perhaps we don't applaud our heroes, right? And, you know, the question that we started with, as individuals, why are we more motivated or driven by because in, in in some ways these look like two sides of the same coin right as a society we don't applaud and as individuals we seem to seek collective uh, validation for what we do so my question really is that right uh, going back to that Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs why is it or what would it take for us to become more self-driven and confident at an individual level, at a citizen level, at a consumer level, rather than essentially look for something which may not exist because per your own this thing, you're saying that even that applause is limited. So we seem to be seeking something which is in short supply. Um, it's a great question. Uh, in fact, every person who tends to do well tries to not demonstrate through material uh, wealth to the world, which does not create a social proof in some ways, right? Like you will see many people who are doing really, really well and they barely show uh, what their wealth is, right? And I think as a society, you know, like this whole culture of Nazar, right? And why did this Nazar culture come? And why is it only in certain societies that Nazar lag jayegi, right? And the thing is that... Just to kind of translate, yeah. loosely it's like, a bad omen kind of thing. If yeah. other people see how well you're doing and that is somehow going and, and to like doom cause, you. And that's going to cause a doom for you, right? And 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 it's only in certain societies. It's not world over that people are worried about Nazar as a concept, right? And and the point is that 
why are we thinking about this because as a society when you are a collectivist society there is no role for individualistic brilliance or taking off right we want everybody to kind of become some version of mean and be part of the community right uh, for example we do not appreciate somebody doing well and not contributing to the community like we will not look at them in a favorable way right so i disagree there right mm-hmm. like when it, when you look at philanthropy as a concept and yes. if you look at you know the prevalence of philanthropy especially among the wealthy now let's yes. like right i mean i would argue that it's actually low in india so if there yeah. is a negative connotation towards not giving back to society why then actually it's not most, uh, i think that's right not the right way of interpreting that right uh, have we evolved to a stage of understanding how to give back no because most people are getting wealth for the first generation right so philanthropy kind of takes its own shape and form when it kind of has multi generational uh, social proofing right that like people have done these things right and contributed to building universities and contributed to building uh, parts of the society which builds the community forward so we are going to take a while to get to that awareness but the thing is that are we getting inspired by these people right are, are there stories right are are people going to look up to this entrepreneurs or risk takers and say that because uh, the the current view is unfortunately we are celebrating only venture funded entrepreneurs which is a problematic thing uh, more is written about them more is spoken about them uh, where the country is filled with entrepreneurs right there are uh, uh, enough and more people uh, who are really making impact creating jobs creating a uh, uh, big businesses uh, but they don't get mentioned because they don't venture funded so i think our focus unfortunately has been uh, to celebrate the founders who need not be celebrated i think uh, all these unicorns right like why do we need to celebrate them why are we celebrating unicorns uh, uh, is a question i often wonder because we need to celebrate companies that are creating real impact creating inspiration it's, i mean if i can give a very cynical answer yeah it sells it's easy to produce it's easy to distribute and, and that's the exactly the what is sells. happening no so ultimately we are building content absolutely and not an impact and everybody is stuck in the dau game right of building what will create eyeballs uh views Fair. listeners what's something that you're proud of that happened during the last week or month in your life or at cred uh i have a very high bar for what i use the word proud for so i don't think i would have anything uh is that true I, of most most entrepreneurs that they set the bar very high on what they allow themselves to truly enjoy and treat as a milestone yeah i think uh so expand it to maybe 3 months or 6 months like you know you expand the timeline so that something that made you truly proud um comes through uh i think uh, our ability to uh demonstrate uh strong monetization uh, in the company and and in the time where it's a track concept no i mean you know like i'm i'm searching for something an event a person i don't uh, think anecdote. it should no? be like that hmm. uh, all I, right I so let's go with monetization <laughs> what changed with respect to your monetization over the last 3 or 6 months that now makes you proud of it well we started our monetization journey in middle of the lockdown 
in fact the the team that worked on monetization actually never met each other uh, and they were all operating remotely and getting this done so i'm proud of our ability to create a very large scale monetization in the business built by team members who could not meet and and work remotely and got a lot of things done and i think i'm proud of the fact that we were able to do that with all the constraints that we had to our business to our uh, uh way we were operating but uh, just proud of the fact that we could come out of that phase and build a very large scale revenue business now what's your view on choosing a career and being good at it uh i think uh, if you do not want to be good at anything uh no matter what you pick you'll not amount to much right uh, there are many people who float around uh, who do not chase excellence right i don't think uh it's the right thing to do i think being good at something should be a, a self motivating thing no matter what you do uh you should you should you should feel good what what would that mean to let's say a 23 24 year old who's still trying to figure out what to do with their career so think of this from an artist perspective let's say you started singing when you were 18 or you're singing when you are 43 are you proud of the song you released forget about it worked or not forget about it got the views or became viral or not are you proud of the quality of work you put in and and do you think about pride in work in india i don't think that concept still exists of being proud of the quality of work we are doing and i agree think- with you i mean perhaps that's one of the things as well which has been in in somewhat decline and if i may say so myself over the last maybe like you know 20 25 years pride at work because in many ways work for a lot of the folks is somewhat becoming transactional and it's work so uh, uh, it's sad but people are finding validation from other things uh if i put a good picture of a sunset i'm going to get 100 likes which, which goes low back effort. to external validation yeah and, so the thing yeah. is that we are becoming more of that uh like every young person thinks that they are celebrity because they have 1000 followers but everybody has 1000 followers So how are you a celebrity? Actually, the good point that you bring up, right? You'd mentioned uh, about Twitter's blue tick policy last year, mm-hmm. saying that it this this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. If you take away the blue tick policy and make it something that people will purchase, it loses its very yeah. essence yeah. of us being a status marker. Correct. And now they've actually done it, and now yeah. they're like you know. So you're seeing how it's panning out. So it's going to be. Uh, I think. forget about blue tick as a thing uh if uh, anybody gets something without working hard for it we tend to not respect it why do we why do we have a problem with nepotism rohan it's a good thing to think about if the father is producing the movie aapka kya gaya like they they deserve we, to in get general their- i mean i i i think as indians nepotism doesn't affect us as much as it does in other countries because here it's seen almost as a feature right yeah i mean it's your family it's your father so yeah, what if you use the conflict of interest yeah. no but the question is why do we have a problem with it hmm. why because do it's unfair I, right yeah, like you got saying, unfair so we say advantage. we feel that you did not have to struggle as much to get that status so anybody 
who seems to get unfair status advantage, we dislike them. So in societies or in careers where status is more important than income, also you will see people are not very friendly to each other. Like, oh, you are getting the status by... Can I ask you for an example of such a career or... Uh, entertainment industry, right? Uh, you may not make a lot of money, but you can have a lot of status, right? Uh, or you may unlock an unfair status by getting one viral moment, one post that became big or whatever. So the thing is that we do not... And, and you will see uh, those group of people are also very externally nice to each other. And, and like... Uh, uh, seem to be externally cordial but like when they meet one on one they are usually a bickering behind their backs right because they do not believe that they deserve it right uh, why why do we have how, how does this translate to the founder community it in does, general it does. In, same in, thing in... for example why do we have uh, less uh, uh, dislike for founders who have bootstrapped versus venture funded we almost feel venture funded is like nepotism in some ways that, oh, all these IITs Privileged. are getting it and all of that. So I tell them, okay, I'm a MBA dropout philosophy major. So then, then I break the narrative in some ways for a lot of people, but it's still the same, right? Like you, but at some level, just to kind of take that point further, perhaps someone worked really hard to get into an IIT. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. not perhaps, they definitely would have. Everybody right? was, yeah. And then an IIM or an ISB or someone else, right? So, and, and when they, I mean, use that, like, you know, having worked hard and they actually use it in their careers and become a founder and raise money, why does that somehow become privilege? Because, I mean, if you work hard for something and you gain it and you use it, we don't see this again, like, you know, since so, you brought up the question so of India just, versus the West. Let me answer this question very differently. You will see venture capitalists uh, or angel investors find it very hard to say no to a founder versus ghost them. Okay? That's a very interesting point to think about. Explicit no, as a society, we can't take. We like to keep it so, hanging. No, no, no. Oh, huh. uh, they would happily do that. It's no. rude. Hmm. But I have seen founders who get abusive with you and like, uh, like make it personal. Right? Because you said no. So what happens is, we take it's, rejection personally. We take rejections personally, not realizing that entrepreneurship is everyday rejection, like non-stop. It's not going to end, right? So the thing is that we tend to not appreciate that. So as a society, what, what did we do? We says, yeah, uh, let's stay in touch. Uh, we like this, but maybe it's too early. Versus that's, saying, a, that's an Asian thing as well that and, we and are... Yeah. I know, something that therefore, as a founder community, our, our ability to just be clear, direct, precise is not there. It's always about matlab, keep the optionality of saying yes, no. It means nothing. Grey. Instead of black or yeah. white. Because because our ability to handle black and white is weak. Fair point. I want to connect two of the themes that you hinted at. One, one of the things that you said um, you know, a few minutes ago was that we dislike people who haven't worked hard to earn success. Or we have not seen their struggle. Fair. Um, they haven't struggled to achieve uh, what's come to them. And the earlier point um, that we were also discussing was like, you know, I mean, 
India, you said like, you know, our like, you know, double income households are not growing fast enough. Women are not working. Therefore, the number of people like, you know, we need to pull up the pyramid isn't growing fast enough. Uh, and and I want to connect this to a recent survey that I read, I mean, just a couple of days ago uh, uh, in the Wall Street Journal said that the majority of Americans today do not think that their kids have a better chance than them to to be more economically better off than. Yeah. And, and one of the significant reasons for that in that study was that a college education is no longer seen as a guarantee of moving up the economic ladder. Correct. So now I want to kind of connect both of these themes together in the context of India, which is what happens? I mean, how do you see this playing out if not enough Indians believe that they can move up the um, either if they're women or their young parents whose children will one day need to college, etc. That that is that does seem to, I mean, if it's a problem which is happening in the US, we certainly know that this is a problem that will play out in India. And, and how does this affect us as a country and all of us as entrepreneurs as well? I think India is not as acute of a problem. I think India is very, very bullish. Uh, young India is very, very bullish about its future. But it's not having the substance to be bullish. So we will take a few decades to realize that we do not have the substance. Uh, let's take an example of uh, what's happening to this whole AI revolution, right? Uh, will this make our IT companies more profitable? Or will this make our IT companies less profitable or less uh, 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 in revenue? And it's an opportunity as a cri and crisis at the same time, right? Because you can make a computer do write code, do many things. Or you can say, oh, there are so many programmers we have. Imagine we can make them all really good that the world just outsources way more to us and, and we can make an opportunity out of that. Uh, the, the thing is that that realization at node level, at entrepreneur level, it's there. They will do something with it and they'll take the opportunity and make something out of it. For example, BPOs. Will they be needed? if you can make an AI not only type, but also have a human responding, right? And you can make a video. Which has uh, already thing. started, and, where and they can starting, replicate human and, voices. And they are doing anyways a repetitive task. So it, you can take away like maybe uh, maybe a 30, 40 million people who are employed in BPOs in the world may not be needed, right? So the question is that, what are we doing about that? Or we are waiting for, you know, Rohan, the, the scary part is not, uh, they will be economically better or not. The scary part is no parent now knows what to tell their children what to do to be successful. They don't know what to make them study, what career to focus on, because nothing is safe. Now, here's the interesting part. As humans, we have done really well when we go through these major crises. So maybe this is where we will all get tough and survive. And yes, we will have our own uh, costs that we'll have to pay. But uh, as parents, uh, right now, you can't tell much. You've been featured on lots of podcasts, interviews, etc. What's the most generic question that's like, you know, addressed to you, which you're really like, you know, tired of, you almost kind of expect it in most interviews? 
uh, which is sort of reduces uh, how does cred make money on and i have said the same thing since 5 years which is all of these things yes what makes you get up after you take a knock um that's a great question uh, i have always i've always thought about some people who do really good comebacks and some people who live with a setback and keep soothing that and pampering that for a very long period of time uh i think to me it's the curiosity of okay i tried this i failed but i've still not solved it so what is missing right so the thing is that the curiosity of solving things is so high that knocks are not felt right It, imagine thinking about playing a video game uh but you you want to cross the main level so all the things setbacks don't feel much because the need to cross the main level is so high that you don't feel it so i think uh and again it comes to taking things personally i i don't take setback personally i don't take any of the ridicule personally uh because i understand why would somebody feel these things about thing and i'm mostly interested in getting to that final point uh and that curiosity drives me in a big way uh so the setbacks right i came from a place where i i remember literally there were days i did not have money to eat to kya hi setback hoga like what what else can go wrong uh i i know that uh i will never be as bad as it was no matter how bad my life turns out to be now uh i will never be as bad as this so what setback do i need to worry about would i be correct in assuming that you're a journey motivated person and not a goals motivated person a 100% uh the, the journey motivated person is a interesting framework of thinking about is that you are curious about what the next level brings versus the game having its own destination as an end so i think it becomes an infinite game because of that uh because you are just curious about each level and how difficult it gets i think there is a very famous book as well which is called the infinite game the or finite something. and infinite games that's is right, interesting right. framework yeah, yeah, yeah. there are multiple books on this topic mm. but it's interesting uh why uh as a society we are not in infinite games yet because uh uh we we like finiteness of things uh ke acha ye exam crack karna hai and that's the destination uh and therefore the, the indian society has settled ho jao is almost like destination yeah ke ye kar lo ye kar lo wo kar lo and then clear your boards then do this yeah. get an engineering degree then or, do or, this or like yeah. okay you got married have kids like so the thing is we, we as a society we are not in the journey mode of expanding the journey uh like let's say uh, why are let, let's take an example of uh, mr nalakani he's achieved everything that he needs to achieve but he's still motivated to solve problems right are you you look at uh, you watch the bill gates documentary he's trying to solve malaria because these people are just addicted to solving and that's a journey will problems end no will we end before the problems end yes there's a saying that we are the average of the five people that we spend the most amount of time with mm mm-hmm. Do you agree with it? And if 100%. yes, who are the five people you spend the most amount of time with? Uh, uh, 
I think uh, I I I have chosen a different approach to how to solve this problem. So time is not just physical time; it's about virtual time as well, right? So what do you watch as content? Uh, uh, how much variety do you bring in your life? So what I have decided to do is instead of increasing my time spent with just five people, think about be in places where you are not smart, right? And and there can be different places. For example, every now and then I would meet people from the creative industry, which I have no clue about. Like, why do some directors make movies successful all the time? And why do some music directors make music successful all the time? And I'm curious about what makes that thing happen in their journey. So my approach has been connecting dots from different worlds. Uh, so I like to be spending time with folks. Uh, who are not from my industry, my world, and bring me a new perspective altogether, right? Uh, I, I met uh, somebody a uh, few years ago who uh, was good at uh, uh, running local uh, election campaigns uh, on, on the ground, and I learned such interesting insights on how Community. it actually happens, right? And then I'm interested in like uh, somebody who was. Uh, 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 creating, uh, how do they? So there are people who uh, are are professional uh, uh, casting managers in in content things, and how do they know which character will fit for what, and what is their way of knowing this? Like, what is their art form's capability? So for me, uh, just finding in every fields of excellence what drives best and what is special about them. In some ways, right? Uh, I, I recently met uh, a movie director uh, and I'm like, how do you know what script will become a big movie and how, what do you look for? And and it's fascinating how they look at things. Like, the, it means basically, I, I look for places where I would not even be able to guess the answer. So I think that's what I have changed in my life in the last few years is to not just look for like books and podcasts and uh, videos and learning that is always there there is a place for that but in all the areas where i have no clue about is where i have started spending more and more time to understand why are people uh, motivated to solve these things very interesting i mean if i were to kind of try and like you know see what you're doing you seem to be uh like books, podcasts, websites, etc. are in many ways secondary data which has been drawn from and, and you're essentially trying to collect primary data yes. directly from you're trying to plug yourself into the minds of and human connect beings. The dots, and connect the dots. Hmm. For example, what if I could learn from a music director on how products are built and, and we think that oh, tech app product is different than making music but it's not. Ultimately, you still want applause, people to share it, people Joy, to use it. emotions. Right? So the thing it. is that ultimately they are all connected. We just don't know these connections. And they have no interest. Like, they, they want to know why do certain things become viral and why do certain things don't work out. So I think when you, you connect and bridge those gaps, unfortunately, we hang out with too many people who are from our industry. People like us. People like us. And, and it gives us a lot of comfort uh, but doesn't make us smarter. Uh, one last question um, for this section is, do you have a system 
to catalog or capture like you know so you're meeting all these interesting people is it all just sitting in your mind do you take <laughs> notes do you kind of have any kind of a cataloging system to kind of come back to it later what is it i don't uh, uh, i am a, i have never been seen taking notes uh and uh i don't think i can take notes i'm a organizer in my brain where i connect dots differently sometimes i express the synthesis on social media or whatever and therefore a lot of time people will say like what do, what are you writing like but it's my notes that i'm making public uh so i am usually synthesizing stuff and putting it out there not the raw source of it because i'm trying to catalog them in my brain very differently got it so therefore i'm assuming i would also be right if i said that you're more interested in synthesis yes. than analysis yes analysis is the breaking apart of yes. an idea into smaller yes. components synthesis is the opposite yes. of that yes all right kunal what are your preferred modes of communication and collaboration in decreasing order of importance in a typical day or week that's a great question i uh, never thought about this uh it depends on who's the audience if it's team uh i would say it is uh uh broadcast Oh, sorry uh, can i can i rephrase yeah. if you were to kind of do an audit self audit over a week and draw up a pie chart what would the top 3 or 4 categories look like in terms of tools that you use whatsapp whatsapp <laughs> uh slack and in person so i'm assuming slack is what you use yeah, within cred yeah but mostly whatsapp mostly whatsapp i don't use my so, laptop so people within cred will interact with you on whatsapp and then with the rest of their colleagues largely on slack i think i think 80% of our company is running on whatsapp and i mean that's um it's it's a very good segue for me to ask a question about a lot of people have said that look whatsapp communication is very efficient great but what it does not give you is a repository of organizational knowledge which is so yeah. like you know how do you deal with that like you know i mean because they just remain on people's individual chats etc yeah. and stuff like that like you know i think that's true we need to fix how to because a new person walks in they are just clueless on how to make sense of things they almost uh, feel that there are months that they need to just understand the context of the org so one of the things that i want to do from this year is to kind of put together playbooks on how things are done what why do we do certain things or also make a repository of decisions made so one of the things i'm trying to do for at least for my own self and direct that who report to me is document decisions we took how it turned out to be right so that people can look back in time and say okay these are the series of decisions made for the company which are at my level or at my direct level and how did they turn out to be So we are trying to do that as of now this is very hard because unless like i mean it's it's i i would argue that it's almost impossible to do in retrospect because and the only way you can kind of pull this off is to create a culture where as decisions are getting made they are getting documented oh for sure that's what i'm trying to do is that and not even like actually have a person who's dedicated to do this within the company who are kind of 
sort of building a documentation of how choices were made because a company is likely to repeat a same mistake that has failed in the past because somebody will say oh i have an idea and there is no document of saying that boss you have kiya tha pehle failed miserably and i'll tell you why it failed so if somebody read that you would never do it again or perhaps they'll see i know the reasons why it failed in the past but this time i'm trying a different approach because they have access to that document exactly so they'll say no but this was not having this a lot of times if the things are not documented in nuance we'll also remember only the memory of it and say oh ye to bekar hai for example let's say we attempted xyz product which is a thing and then we say oh xyz doesn't work but xyz to which customer xyz sold in what manner if that is not documented so are we doing a good job of that the answer is no and therefore things become tribal knowledge which is not very scalable i mean from what you said earlier you said attrition isn't a problem so at till some point tribal knowledge wouldn't be a problem if people are around but at some point it will yeah but their time is not unlimited uh let's say i have tribal knowledge of cred for all the five years that we've been building this will you get time to ask me about every decision will i give you time for every decision that you want to make so then at node level uh everybody's doing different things without realizing that this was done in the past i think a counter example of i mean the other extreme of this is bridgewater associates ray dalio's firm right yes. where they video go to the extent of actually taking video yes. of yes. like you know meetings and calls and cataloging yes. and archiving yes. everything that seems like an extreme version but i think companies offer certain stage i see first of all uh, for a startup the unique curse is they constantly think that they're going to die right they they're not in a place of comfort like many of the large companies that boss can't die but startups take a long time to come out of just survivalist mindset so all of these things feel like a privilege are you default alive or default dead Correct. that concept so the thing is all these things feel like a privilege ke hum documentation is a luxury kar rahe hain decision ka documentation kar rahe hain and by the way many companies if they did that at series a they're like boss to pehle business like get this business to really work first before you do all this nice decoration work so i think when to do these things is also important i want to come back to the point that you made about community um which is very interesting now you're you're building a community around exclusivity mm-hmm. but you're also trying to scale it and yes. and these two forces kind of act in opposites exclusivity and scale as you try to typically scale communities you lose exclusivity how do you deal with that conflict at cred exclusivity creates scale it's not a conflict let me explain through an example once upon a time degrees were exclusive only given to a small group of people but degrees changed their lives dramatically then eventually everybody wanted to have a degree so what happens is when you create exclusivity and therefore significantly impact their lives to make it better more people will want to be in that community let's take a wild thought right now what if bangalore starts not taking deposits from people who are cred members 
will more people want to have good behavior on credit score repayment financial behavior and therefore automatically they will want to belong in this so a lot of times we do not understand and appreciate this that only when we say there is benefit in being a community more people want to be in that community right but you cannot start offering the benefit up front because you want a certain behavior to shape first right for example if you become good at your financial promises then more people will want to take benefit from that for example in the us you cannot rent an apartment till you have a good credit score in india what do we do we dress up in formals and go meet the landlord and they tell you they do an interview kahan kahan kaam karte ho like i remember early days this is bangalore so this is where the landlords will ask you what's your linkedin profile yeah. how much funding has your company raised all of, all this. of that in stuff in fact uh, i remember early days of free charge we had an office in double road over here and one of the employees uh, came from gurgaon moved over here and re- trying to rent an apartment and the the landlord came to our office and it was a like a shabby place uh and did not give the apartment to this person and told this person ki beta uh take a decent job in infosys ye sab nahi hoga uh whatever and i think uh that stuff will take some time i mean we need more better measures to decide how trustworthy and creditworthy works so you mentioned credit score it's the foundation of a lot of the behaviors yes let's let's take america as an example right where people do things or don't do things because they're afraid of how it will affect their credit score correct now credit scores in india have existed for a while now yes. right like i'm assuming yes. at least yeah, a decade plus we have the plus. highest amount of bureaus also in right? the country we have yes. multiple use competition so on paper the concept exists yes and yet you know we don't seem to see the average unless you're taking a loan or asking for like a credit card credit scores typically don't seem to be used i mean it's not used yeah. by a landlord it's yeah. not used by other people then there which is a problem because if they are not used everywhere then you have less of an incentive to maintain it everywhere it's a great question so what do you do about that uh by the way what you're saying is super insightful i'll tell you why i say that we could really rely on this and avoid many bad decisions right not just as a lender but anybody who has to take a risk on somebody right a uh, classic example is a uh, arranged marriages right why are credit scores not important in marriages and it's an interesting thing to think about but because in china and japan dating apps have credit score where both the parties have to reveal their credit score to be able to match and and that's one variant of that the second variant of that is landlords uh, trusting apartment with you or renting a car uh or employment. or airbnb employment uh so why should that not be important what if you found out let's say you are hiring somebody uh, uh and we do background checks and first of all we don't do background checks as we should be doing but let's say we do background checks and we found out that this person has defrauded a bank with 1 lakh rupees 2 lakh rupees what if we do not hire them what if and i'm saying that uh the the classic thing we do is we immediately take oh ye to black mirror ban jayega that's not the point how do you create incentive for good behavior right and 
and for example uh, let's take diji yatra we see at the airport right now what if it was only given to people who and i'm saying this is a thought experiment who've paid x lakhs and above on income tax i'm just making this up but what if it was a privilege instead of just a technology feature more people will want to do that and benefit from that in some ways but we are not ready for it yet right uh 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 Like, like an example in in Bombay and Delhi, we have a separate queue for business class. We don't have that in Bangalore, and I don't know why, right? But the thing is, what if there was an incentive and a benefit for you to get treated differently if you maintained your creditworthiness or your duty as a citizen in the highest possible rank way? And I think we are. in a early stage of this journey it will happen because even the people who are getting loans they don't know what their credit score is right uh, how many people who have a credit card or a home loan know what their credit score is it doesn't impact your life on a daily basis for you to care about it it's an abstract concept for it's most an abstract people. concept which only is there between banks to understand but it is not a citizen concept yet but let me like let me do a thought experiment for you ron what if uh, olx demonstrated credit scores of buyers and sellers what would happen it'll be an interesting thing to i suppose it'll be very disruptive for olx because but, but it actually yeah. might increase the transactions on olx dramatically because people are constantly worried about being getting defrauded so it's an interesting thought to how to approach this how do you empower employees at cred mm-hmm. to be independent uh risk uh driven and innovative uh so we have two values uh leadership values one is audacity uh and second is solve elegantly uh and at cred appraisals are done on values and not on performance so uh walk me through like is this an annual appraisal so say, and then how, how yeah, does this this is an annual appraisal that is done in like every company but instead of saying oh uh this xyz employee achieved these numbers or shipped these products or solved these problems we say so we have values like earn trust solve elegantly skin in the game how many uh, values do you have around 12 to 14 why we were constantly changing and adjusting because some of them are uh, repeat but they are with more but nuance but they are unique but they are unique the, yeah so what we do is we are we are going through a version change right now as well uh now we rate the team members on values why is that important uh because what if you are an extraordinary performer in terms of achieving numbers but you sc- score low on earn trust that can you do you earn trust of your team members your peers your consumers that you serve if it's low they don't make it we we actually uh, and that's how you do interviews also so in interviews at cred is done on only on values so i say uh say three f- oh, sorry five people are interviewing we all are given two or three values to check on not oh what did you achieve the the that's filtering done by the hiring manager itself or the 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 talent team that oh the resume is a match of the competence we are looking for the interview is only on values this is this is again 
I I agree with this, and I see where you're going with this. In some ways, this point is related to the earlier point that I made about credit scores, which is in most places, culture and values exists as an abstract concept on a board, and it's typically talked about maybe in an all hands and stuff like that, right? And because it's not used in more and more places within the organization. it doesn't have value yes. it's just an yes. so in the same context of let's say a credit score right unless you're using it everywhere it does not have value yes. by embedding your cultural values into your hiring and into your appraisals you're ensuring that no one can ignore them yes. because also in daily vocabulary hmm if it doesn't appear in your daily vocabulary they will still remain abstract and once a year event so uh when when things like truth seeking earn trust skin in the game is not used on a daily basis they remain abstract concepts so so you cannot the frequency of value cannot be only on moments of crisis or moments of large decisions so just to continue with this point before we move on now you've got 12 values it's impossible that any any person i mean even you i'm assuming yeah. will not excel on all 12 yeah. right yeah. So what happens in an appraisal? I mean, someone Perfect. excels on three, someone excels on four, someone excels on two, etc. Yeah. Like, how how does this happen? Well, you do not get promoted if your ratio of excel is not growing. We'll not become perfect at any of this, and you have to also create coaching mechanisms that okay, you have not been rated well on earn trust. Who's responsible? Is it the managers? Is managers, there like a managers, coaching function? Right. But, uh, but there has to be enough. coaching system within the system so you know we you know uh, we we do uh, ENPS like you know credit has been consistently voted on the top but that's not enough like we have a defect mindset so we actually look for where did we score low so just right now uh, uh, on my own MNPS uh, there were three uh, this is not on values there are three traits that i am not scoring well on so right now i am building a document with the help of my directs on what should i start stop and continue to improve my scores on these three things so uh, unless we take a defect fixing mindset even for individuals we'll not do that and most people are not honest about it uh they are not comfortable taking feedback uh which stops their progress uh we tend to not how do you like, solve for that at cred well uh hiring itself is a big bar uh we we know how are people going to take feedback for example truth seeking is one of the value that we test for the first thing is are you taking truth seeking about yourself do you know yourself well do you have you empowered your team members to give you feedback so we we ask a question sometimes that uh, what was the most uh, uncomfortable feedback you received in the last 3 months if you have not received it which means you have not empowered because obviously there are flaws in you obviously you are not great at many things so people should be able to walk up to you and say that yeah rohan you are terrible at this and and if they don't feel the freedom so like we took the red value thing and we took radical candor as one of our values as well because we wanted to encourage that care personally has to be there otherwise it just becomes an obnoxious culture because if you don't care personally then why would somebody change like so therefore that part of our culture we have really retained well to really care personally about people right they are not some and therefore i always think that relationships at credit are not going to be about the time they worked we we think about our uh relationship 
uh, going forward as well. I'll give you a small instance of what we did, which was shocking for a lot of team members, but to me it was an obvious thing to do. So companies do buyback, uh, and and you can choose to give it to current employees and past employees as well. You can choose to say, and many companies have made a decision to only give buyback to the current employees. And I'm like, no, as a shareholder duty, uh, it should not be of different for different people. Shareholding is different. Uh, current compensation is different. So when we do buyback, it will always be for every single shareholder. They all have the same privilege. And to the team, it's just shocking that, but we should, I said, no, tomorrow we will be ex-employees. And would we want this feeling to ourselves? What are some of your secrets for finding talented people? Just ask them to find them. If you find talented people, just ask them to get more talented people. That's the thing. So I would say 60-65% of our team has been hired through referrals. Uh, uh, and uh, they like to hang around with ha talented people. So they usually uh, keep that bar. Uh, uh, I think the, com the thing you need is talented and motivated people. Talented is not good enough. Uh, so motivated comes from what is unfinished business for them. For example, we have like maybe 75, 80 ex-founders in the company uh, and probably have the highest concentration of ex-founders. Oh, that's a lot. That's almost like 10% of your workforce. Yeah. And, and uh, we like them because uh, I don't need to solve motivation problem uh, 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 and also sometimes self-awareness problem because they failed. Uh, uh, when they failed, they learned and they now want to have an unfinished business to really do well. So to me, that uh, I'm a opposite of a micromanager. I'm like mostly uh, WhatsApp managing the company. Uh, and and uh, therefore, I look for people who are going to be extremely motivated. I don't need to give them motivation. I don't need to uh, cheer them up and give inspirational speech in the morning for them to wake up and say, oh, I need to do great work. And who have their own motivation. Uh, see, the company is built on a strong wealth sharing principle. So even like I, I would say we would be like if I do apple to apple to most companies would be like multiple X more on wealth sharing. Uh, largely with that, we want to create a shareholder mindset. So most of our internal meetings are called shareholder meetings. They're not called review meetings or employee meetings. They're called shareholder meetings. So when you come into the meeting, you behave like a shareholder. There are so many people at Cred who have hired their bosses, hired their own bosses. Because as a shareholder, they felt that the company needs somebody much more better. So that also is very, very common. In many ways, that is the owner mindset or the founder yeah. mindset. Yes. Like, you know, the, that's you're yes. not just working for a company. You yes. own part of that company. Yeah, we often well. say that we are not trying to hire employees. We are trying to recruit shareholders. That's very interesting. You're a prolific angel investor. Um, in my research, articles dated last year said that you had over 200 angel investments. I'm assuming that must have gone up slightly. Um what and 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 one of the things that a lot of the articles reference is that people pitch to you over WhatsApp, which you kind of admitted. Number one being WhatsApp, number two being WhatsApp. What what makes things pitches stand out to you when people write to you? I don't I don't uh, invest to multiply money, but to pay it forward. There's a small nuance in that, and therefore, I'm not trying to screen and evaluate as much as I'm willing to support. I do, however, look for who has made the intro, who has referred this person versus some uh, 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 random things coming on my uh, uh, WhatsApp or email. Uh, 
the reason is uh, it's a way to just pay it forward right uh, what i do also is i encourage the founders who have invested uh, and they have done well to also do the same thing so i have like worked very hard to create a culture of pay it forward because as entrepreneurs uh, if we do not build this culture ourselves uh, we'll not be able to grow the nation uh uh we'll we'll all become very selfish and and stuck in our own zones so i think of my life as a way to kind of create this as a perpetual paid forward uh uh because uh, like what if in my limited time over here i'm able to influence thousand people's journey and what if they start doing the same thing further like we'll become a very very different country so that's what i think that uh, it's a good thing to spread what's the one thing or more than one thing that you've learned the hard way about fundraising across your career oh uh, like i said one or more <laughs> so you know it's it's very easy to now say oh cred has raised so much money and all that it's never been that easy uh, free charge we we almost died three times uh, uh, and and i have done businesses which never got funded also so the point is that uh what i learned is uh and i appreciated that by i spent briefly some time at venture capital also and i have angel invested also for a lot of founders they do not understand that for a vc there will be 8 to 10 decisions in their entire life which will either make it or break it for them okay but if you really look at it it will be two or three decisions so basically what, we do what, not what, what does that mean? like you know i mean what, what are these numbers when you say 7 to 8 or 2 no, to 3 no, so what if kind you of a typical vc they may make maybe if they are really doing well they make 20 investments hmm. if they do not do well they'll end their career in eight investments sometimes even lesser than that we do not appreciate the amount of anxiety they have on being right we just assume are this vc is an idiot or this they don't understand there are all these people they have been given responsibility of this money from somebody else to be right in their decisions now they will not have any outcome if it's not a right decision so i think empathy to understand that what are they trying to solve for right we think our business is perfect no matter who we are just like we think our children are perfect we think our startup is perfect and every other startup is not perfect we we take some it takes some maturity to realize that no no Same maybe in parent mentality it's a parent mentality my kid is perfect the world is yeah, like got a conspiracy yeah, and, and no appreciation for but now if there is a school that admits children and they want to admit certain type of children only we are like, are yaar ye school they're idiots like my child is special or whatever without realizing that the school needs certain traits for it to be called a venture business so let's understand venture business for a second venture business works on 10% success rate but the 10% should work so well that it should pay for the fund and more right which means every investment you are doing you have to in your heart feel it will return the whole fund okay but most founders will do something small as a business which does not have a tam or revenue potential or evidence of profit pools and say yaar they invest in this loss making company or mera ye dekho business abhi 
प्रॉफिट कर रहा है वो इन्वेस्ट नहीं कर रहा है बट वेंचर बिजनेस डज नॉट वर्क ऑन दैट वेंचर बिजनेस वर्क ऑन वॉट इज अ लार्ज रेवन्यू एंड प्रॉफिट पोटेंशियल इवन इफ द ऑर्ड्स आर टेन परसेंट द गेम हैज टू बी बिग राइट सो लॉट ऑफ टाइम पीपल आर स्टक इन ट्राइंग टू नॉट अंडरस्टैंड एंड दैट्स हार्डेस्ट लेसन आई लर्न आई थॉट आई वॉज बिल्डिंग द परफेक्ट बिजनेस इतने लोग कर रहे हैं ये कर रहे हैं बट यू कैंट मोनिटाइज दैम यू कैंट मोनिटाइज मोस्ट ऑफ दैम सो द लेसन इज truly understanding that they are looking for you as one investment that will can return their fund they want to see that but we are trying to make our product or our our startup look like it's great so let's take an example odds of a 10% odds of a company becoming a billion dollars revenue or an 80% probability that the company will make 5 crores profit which one will venture guy pick obviously the first one and i think many founders do not and i learned this the hard way many founders still don't understand this do you believe in the founder mentality in organizations i believe in owner mentality uh, i let me explain which is what you refer yeah. to as the shareholders so what does that mean um let's say uh you see uh, this is i learned from somebody at google they explained this to me well let's say you see a person walking with a dog on the road how do we know if that is the parent slash owner of the dog or a dog walker it's an By interesting way, point they treat the dog yeah but the thing is how much do they really know about the dog and anticipate about the dog's behavior इस पे बात करेगा ये नहीं खाएगा इससे सिख हो जाएगा लाइक वेन यू नो वेन यू नो समी इज एन ओनर एंड बाई इट्स नॉट अबाउट रियली बींग एन ओनर लॉट ऑफ टाइम्स अ वॉकर कैन ऑल्सो बिहेव लाइक एन ओनर स्टाफ मेंबर सो ओनरशिप इज अ माइंड सेट टू बिकम वन विथ समथिंग वर्सेज ट्रीटिंग एट एज लाइक समथिंग यू डू एंड दैट्स वेर आई वॉज वेन यू नॉट प्राउड ऑफ इट वील नेवर बिकम ओनर्स ऑफ इट before we move on from this topic of venture capitalists i just want to kind of put something which i heard in a conversation a couple of days back which is venture debt uh one of the conversation that i had was that for whatever reason vcs in the west tend to look down upon venture debt and discourage their investing companies from taking on venture debt instead saying if you want to raise money raise equity whereas in india i mean especially over the last like you know 10 years 5 years or so we've seen the rise of venture debt do you have any views on venture debt i i don't honestly i i think a a company can make its own choices based on what their confidence on what the years ahead look like venture debt is a debt uh, uh, a startup uh, does not have the cash flow to fund debt uh, so if you are a loss making company which is also paying interest uh, to prevent equity dilution to be not reduced I don't know if it's always a good choice or not, but it's a company-dependent choice. Uh, 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 will a venture debt company give money to companies that are not backed with venture? No. So the question is that: Is it an arbitrage? Is it an opportunity? Uh, it's a question mark to be addressed, and we'll see how it plays out. Do you believe that you are or should be replaceable at your company? Hundred percent, boss. Uh, uh, I, any founder. Uh, 
who who thinks that they have to be the only one uh, that takes company to the next stage is is like a parent who will say main homeschooling bhi karaunga aur main college bhi yahi pe ghar pe hoga and all of that the point i'm making is that we have to realize that we have limitations sometimes we may be the perfect person to take the company to the next stage sometimes we may not be uh, and and unless you are constantly thinking about are am i building a team that can replace me uh, we are not amounting to much in fact we should have so much talent that we should feel that i have so many people who can just run the company what are some of the things that you spend most amount of time on but may not enjoy but those things deliver a lot of value to cred acha uh uh reviewing our processes so we let's say we do this process of how do we appraisals how do we do that and i may not necessarily enjoy the constant tinkering fixing evaluating all of that uh but they deliver very very high outcomes for the company so uh but uh the odds of something that delivers large outcomes for company and i don't enjoy is very low because i only like to work on things that deliver out large outcomes for the company and you said earlier that you're driven by unfinished challenges yes. and like you know yes. uh, so therefore yes in many ways what you seem to be doing is you're defining it that if it's important then i can't not like it i will like it yes are there things that you absolutely refuse to do oh so many things uh, like uh 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 there are expectations that teams have that can you write a long note on something and explain something i can't what uh, do you do when people come and say like I, that I, tribal I, knowledge that I, sits in your head I, what I, do i you tell do? them that you can document i'm very happy to do and i can approve your uh, document i can't do it because uh, i know i will suck at it and i'll be so critical of my own writing that i don't write anything long form uh, uh second thing is that uh, uh uh reviews that last for a day like anything that should be should be so easy to review so i will refuse to be part of reviews that are not well thought through and sharply defined uh i will refuse to spend time on uh uh things that have not uh been pre-approved pre-reviewed by somebody because i think that we have to respect people's time and and do this uh i will refuse to uh uh walk into uh uh meetings where people have not clearly defined what they want from that meeting and just uh in india a lot of people love to spend time just to get to be seen uh which is not good for uh, any leader uh, to be spending time on if you want to socialize and socialize in a social setting in a work setting we we have to really respect our time this is a very interesting point because i mean to go back to something that we said earlier we don't like listening to an absolute refusal and a yes. no yes and as a ceo and founder many times you will say no i will not be part of this review yes no this document yes. is not ready yes and how do you ensure that like that does not demotivate but instead motivates the person to do better because it's a fine line somewhere right especially people who are new to the organization it's like or maybe they're not like you know dealing with you as a ceo but saying no is very important but also how it's received and how it's acted upon if you really want to be 
great at what you do somebody's feedback should not impact you for example uh, let's say you are trying to win world cup of something and the coach says uh, you were just absolutely terrible in the last 5 minutes and you have you are so easy to offend will you ever become a gold medal winner of anything so the question is it self selection of people who really want to excel how do they handle it uh, a lot of times we find feedback to be hurtful and offensive because we have not built security and we have a deeply insecure mindset that we have pampered uh i think when we people realize this they change when they realize that somebody's feedback is not personally to you but how are you doing things and how could we be made better if they have never worked in environments of secure people they will find it hard because a lot of insecure groups of people do a very good facade of being nice to each other but good teams are not thinking twice before giving a critical feedback because they know they really care for you so the thing is that it takes time to build that security but they have to feel that comfort and it cannot come if your culture is about hire and fire okay out ek meeting bakwas kiya 3 mahine mein fire kar diya so if you create an environment we are not hire fire then people will feel that they need to transform and become better right but do they really want to excel you can't motivate people to do that if what, you have that in yeah, you in your it, opinion what 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 creates the conditions that makes you know i mean let's set us paribus right? let's take two employees equally talented on paper equally qualified they're in two different environments one has the motivation to excel and another doesn't what might be some of the enabling conditions that causes it's an interesting one i think people follow a slope uh so if you go back in time and see how much of a slope they had to climb to get where they are and the other person had to climb only this much you will know that their trajectory will be this much so you can draw lines uh people usually follow their own slope uh a lot of time people start from a lot of privilege and continue to not have a lot of slope uh so everything is about a function of and do they hang around with high slope people or do they find comfort in hanging around with low slope people hmm that's very interesting high slope low slope this goes back to the point that you earlier made about transformation yeah. because slope is nothing but a representation it is. It of is. transformation it is, it is. By the way, the good news is, if you are with high slope people, with or without you, they will maintain their slope. You just get lucky to be in their journey, because you see them achieve their slopes. Hmm. There is, you know, this this goes back to a lot of the literature around high performance teams, yes. and you know that they are harder to kind of work with. But once you gel, correct. Essentially, everyone gets lifted up. Correct. So, so the argument about ex-founders is that slope thing. They have. Have, they have to really come up now so they may have great degrees but the start of failure brought their slope down again now they have another slope to climb so i think the 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 when you think about slope as a concept you will realize that 
therefore a lot of people with not many much privilege have end up doing a lo- well in life because the need for slope is perpetual what are some of the stock responses that people at credit might hear from you most oh. commonly <laughs> that's a good one uh <laughs> this is shit uh uh is one thing that they will realize uh, instant response uh uh so all versions of shit idiotic stupid uh, is a standard emotional reaction um uh uh things like this doesn't feel like cred is very common also like this is not cred this is not and, and and we don't know how to define this but there is a bar which we say that this is not cred this is we would not do this uh uh things like uh, uh product choices so i have a framework which says that don't build a product that you would not give it to your family or friends like you have to be proud of that uh so a lot of if you look at consumer businesses in india uh, which make profit in india are products that may not necessarily be great for the consumers right they may be uh uh, uh creating some behavior which may not be ideal so we can we choose to not solve do some of these businesses because i would not give it to a family member i would not give it to uh uh so so i think that's one stock response that they will see that i would not do it for a family member or friends that uh, for example we launched this product cred mint uh, uh only when 80% of team members used it we launched it to public i said the first condition for the team was only when our team believes in it and they put their own money behind it why why should we let people trust our product when we don't demonstrate trust ourselves so we we changed that also uh, uh, other stock responses would be uh, uh why are we doing this uh, like like that's when it becomes the can of worms starts opening that because uh, it doesn't make sense so you have to really give me the good reasoning for that uh and let's stop this <laughs> you seem to be a collector of consumer behavior how do you do that on a regular day to day week to week basis how do you study consumers and their behavior it's, it's around us all the time right so we can see it all the time you can ask founders the question uh uh for example i asked a, a rapido founder that are women comfortable taking the bike taxis and what are you doing to solve that and what seems to be the pattern emerge on that and i'll ask a uh uh swiggy founder that hey you've launched this new product uh how is that doing like you've launched this product and i'll uh, sometimes ping uh, kalyan at flipkart and ask that question that okay this thing is now you've gotten into uh, ota business and how is that kind of loop happening so the thing is uh, uh having hypothesis and then constantly seeking verification for that is a good way of studying behavior because you have to first expect ki ye ho raha hoga how do you inculcate that within cred conversations if they see that you like that conversation then people will want to do more of that conversation right so hypothesis driven yeah thing. so so or taking one of the things that i'm trying to inculcate is a culture of betting for example let's say we are shipping this feature how will this work kitne log adopt karenge so we are launching a new feature next month so right now i'm going to do a everybody in the team has to bet how many people will adopt this on let's say by june 23 how many people would have 
use this product so this is this is actually very interesting do you have i mean one of the points that you said earlier many of your responses this is shit how did we get here etc uh are in and you know i mean you yourself said that some of them are emotional responses right they can be hard for people to process mm-hmm. which you partly address by saying that you filter at the time for hiring and within the team itself but cred itself would you say it's a left brained organization or a right brained organization i think it's uh, fairly balanced uh are you left brained or right brained in how you broadly view the I, world i can switch sides uh i can switch sides uh, almost instantly uh for example when i'm on my left side of equation i'm a ruthless truth seeker and you can't give me some hawa but and I'll, i'll 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 call it out when i'm in my right zone i'm in a complete inspired zone of solving things in an unusual way and i'll find unusual proposals to solve this so i have both of these sides which i can almost uh, switch sides uh, uh i think most of our org is like that uh in some orgs more left some orgs are more right uh, we are trying to change that a uh, harder part is to make a uh, a combination happen like somebody who can switch sides uh because if they have been academically well trained uh the right has almost been killed especially in the indian system i yeah. agree uh cred is about community and rewards and privilege one of the original concepts around this was credit card rewards right so i pose this to you are credit card rewards broken and if so why i don't think uh they are broken uh rewards by nature will never be satisfactory uh because we'll always feel that we should be getting more right uh but when it comes to uh uh if we have to say are credit cards or credit important for a society to progress the answer is absolute yes if you look at uh, uh i don't know if you know about this but in korea uh, there was uh, incentive uh, in your income tax if you used credit card no i didn't it still is by the way uh uh actually there are more other, more countries who have done this why is that important see only when we increase our credit ratio to gdp right the com- country just progresses because we are living somewhat in future and we are betting on our increased income to be able to pay for some of these loans right uh now as a society we are saying are yaar loan nahi like we should not take we, we have a negative view to loan negative view to credit negative view to uh uh anything to do with in some ways it comes down to uncertainty about the future Correct. because at but the end of the day a loan is nothing but your Correct. confidence in your ability to repay in the future or confidence in yourself fair that i'll be able to repay this in future right so the thing is that as a society we have to evolve from that mindset now uh but we are okay with home loan So the scarcity mindset India yes. comes from a scarcity yes. mindset and not But an abundance mindset. But it is not mindset. going away in the next generation is my bigger concern. Uh, uh we should be able to encourage them to kind of take more risk. Uh now when it comes to rewards uh uh India has a credit gap like the number of credit cards is barely anything. Uh, the number of unsecured credit line customers is very barely anything. So we have a long way to first the demand is more credit more than credit card rewards that people need to be able to do things right so we are 
the next 20 years, it's going to be about giving credit, democratizing credit. For example, you know, recently there's been announced that credit can work on UPI, right? So rupee cards are going to work. Now, will that result in 100 million rupee cards being issued? Immediately, the answer is no. So we are creating these capabilities now, acquiring a salt. Now, every merchant, even like a Naril Paniwala outside, we can give through this. Now we just need a credit layer to build on that. But can we issue them? Can we collect from them? Can we ensure that they want good behavior, right? And, and do they have thought process around stability of income? So we have So still... Kunal, I, I get this. My question was more in terms of with free charge and with cred too, one of the things that like, you know, you're doing is trying to incentivize yes. uh, purchases and consumptions. Incentivize repayment fair, uh, of right? good financial behavior. Okay. And also like, you know, using rewards like yes. points, yes. for instance, right? Yes. And my specific question was credit card reward programs have existed for time immemorial. From the outside, it looks like they're not evolving as fast as like, you know, they should be considering that like, you know, they have so much of a wealth of data on all transactions, stuff like that. So as someone who's been designing and building reward programs and incentive programs around consumption and points and etc. So my question was that yeah. credit card uh, reward uh, systems. So uh, any product uh, that does not change a lot in years is not evolving because the consumers are evolving and they want things to be personalized, things to be made to them or made into a tech product, right? For example, if rewards was evolved, the app should have daily refresh of rewards. Why should there be one stock of rewards that you have parked and continues to work? Uh, rewards. Why is that? See, uh, when... Uh, why in a credit card company, like you know, I'm asking for the organizational view of it, why is it, I mean, it's fairly obvious that within those organizations, credit card rewards does not occupy top of mind recall for them to be able to even think along so these lines. That's a good question. Do you think of these things as cost or innovation? If you think of something as a cost, you don't try to innovate on You're it. You're trying to minimize. You try to minimize that. If you think of something as the key differentiating factor of innovation, for example, one of the earliest tenets we had kept at Cred was rewards should update on a daily basis. Every day there should be something new to expect. Why is that important? Because rewards should make you excited. Excitement, things that make you excited change every day. You go to Netflix every day, imagine the same thing came. And, and same content showed up. Uh, or I went to Instagram and the same post came. Or I went to Twitter and the same posts are still there. Variety and freshness are two important tenets for people to repeat themselves. What about airline rewards? Same thing. Uh, 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 they, they are built around cost mindset versus how do I create excitement about it. And think about one thing. All the apps that you spend most amount of time every day on are what makes you excited and reduces your anxiety versus being boring. Boring things you want to reduce the time on. And, and but the thing is, a lot of the leaders who run many of these organizations or companies, 
do they themselves think about being exciting and and changing right so the the leadership mindset themselves is to not create excitement is to become boring and predictable so what which which brings up a question that what really is a differentiator in the credit card space is it i mean beyond a point in time if you are whether on the mastercard network or visa network or rupee network it's just a different bank and you have a different credit limit so what can excite what why aren't we seeing disruption emerge in that space it will happen first of all i say you see this upi uh, uh thing that is happening on rupee you will want a rupee card uh, because you don't want to carry your wallet anymore right uh okay we are in 2023 will physical wallet have a death in 5 years the answer is yes so the what will be the catalyst of that will be product innovation only because uh, we we all were non believers of cash and uh, cash going away and upi becoming big but it did become big uh, qr did show up now we had demon we had covid we had all of these factors that played a huge catalyst role but they did become big i'll switch gears to a slightly different topic what might be the top 3 adjectives people at cred used to describe you i don't know i hope it's not the same three <laughs> i don't know honestly i don't know i've never thought about this office or work from home uh work from home when you want to do some deep work if you is want to is there a policy at cred for like specific days or is it left to employees we've not really made any policy but we have set expectations for at least consumer facing functions teams to come to work because you can't collaborate on ideas uh, uh, remotely uh, so collaboration meetings uh, i don't think we have a really firm expectation we do however now expecting people to be at least in the same city that if you really want you to come it's not like oh i have to fly and all that what's your span of control how many direct reports do you have uh at this point of time would say eight and is there something about you that all of your direct reports will agree with um it's a good question uh no by the way we track this on a survey uh, on on each traits that uh, uh uh let me let me tell you on most things they will agree on terms of have things i think there are things that they will uh say that i need to improve on i should talk about that is uh i need to get better at setting my expectations and articulating that more clearly so which means uh, they should not it should not be hard to figure out what i really want uh so when it comes to zero to one products which are which a lot of them are happening at cred i'm not very clear yet on what should we do and i'm constantly what that's a fuzzy process in your own way the fuzzy process so but a lot of people expect that now at least set the tenets or guardrails around that which i'm doing improving on uh what they would agree on is uh, as a leader do i absolutely care for team's progress and i would uh, if would i fight for team over uh just outcomes for the company uh, they would 100% agree with that other things that you do that other people find quirky i'm sure there must be tons of them 
that you have self awareness about yeah um i mean sometimes the way i come up with solutions they are like completely right brain and you're like like how does he even and and, and i explain things in analogies so that they find very 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 i mean it's mostly just funny but that's how i understand things six out of 10 times when you eat out is there a dish or a cuisine that you end up ordering not really i i would love to explore more uh, eating out should be about exploration uh uh so you not, don't have a comfort food dish etc no no i she don't what does personal time look like for you doing nothing what does that just, mean meditating sleeping no, just i don't know staring at a wall maybe <laughs> uh, uh i think uh, to me my dot connection process only happens when i have shut down stimulation uh from outside so uh it is mostly about uh just being alone uh reflecting when does that happen weekends uh it's not happening at as structurally it should be so i'm trying to figure out a schedule to uh go away for a week every 3 months to like really reflect uh which i'm trying to inculcate as a habit now uh but uh, i would say evenings uh uh i'm trying to make a thing to just kind of have my time to do things uh, uh i i'm trying to uh, increase my thinking time by actually putting it on calendar hmm again i've tried that i i hope it succeeds for you i really hope so too <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10 how happy are you with your life uh 9 doing what makes you lose sense of all time um solving a creative problem like i i will immerse myself and not realize what happened how do you spend your weekends mostly meeting uh folks who are not from the team uh i'm not from cred not from cred so could be founders could be somebody else i'm trying to uh bring new perspectives do you read a lot of books i used to read a lot uh, it's reduced a lot uh, just uh, is that a function of time availability no 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 it, uh i've reached a point where now when i read books i get insanely anxious i want to implement a lot of things and uh, uh and i don't have time to really synthesize the information so i'm trying to break that schedule of reading time into more of that week i'm talking about versus like doing it every day and like because my biggest problem on reading is i want to implement what i learned almost instantly and that's not always good for teams that so are therefore i'm assuming do you find it hard to read fiction i can't read fiction uh, uh because uh, there is no yeah implementable no implementation act. loop to it so, but i do like fiction uh from a content viewing perspective hmm. on reading pers- so reading is can i quickly implement this some way or the other Are there any things that you've recently geeked out over? Anything personal interests? Anything oh, I, I, yeah! Every 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 time I'll have something or the other that I get obsessed about. Uh, uh, so uh, I've been geeking about the current uh, evolution of AI and how things are, and I've been texting Sam uh, from OpenAI and ask him questions. Uh, I have been talking to builders in these categories. Uh, tech guys just uh, right now i'm just geeking over 
possibilities because actually i'll tell you what gets me completely obsessed when something happens that's going to have immense amount of second order effects i absolutely geek out about these things so when early days of covid i was geeking out about second order effects on covid i used to write about it frequently also so basically any event or any development that is going to have severe second order effects which most people are not even thinking about uh gets me super excited my last question what are you paranoid about becoming irrelevant thank you so much for your time konal thank you boss hi it's me again rohan i have a question for you if we made first principles available as a video interview too would you watch it i'd love to know your thoughts for or against email me at podcast@theken.com and before you go spare us a few seconds and rate us on your favorite podcast platform ratings are what helps us attract new listeners thank you for listening